0: Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen.
1: And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions.
0: Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in.
1: So now we're going to dive into our next PT pearl, which is anterior pelvic tilt.
0: Yes, we are going to talk about what anterior pelvic tilt is, uh, why people talk about it so much, how could, it could potentially lead to other pains, and what to start to do about it.
1: Diving right in, anterior pelvic tilt. We're talking about the pelvis here, which is that big old thing right at the bottom of your spine that your legs are also attached to, um, and it can kind of tilt both forward and backward, which we call anterior pelvic tilt. One is tilting forward and posterior pelvic tilt when it's tilting backwards. Why don't you go a little deeper on what that means and how yeah. people can feel that?
0: Yeah. So one of the ways that, I mean, even if you were just sitting, I think um, sitting on not necessarily a chair, but maybe you put a pillow and kind of stack so that your, your legs are, or your knees are below your hips. It makes it a little bit easier this way. So if we're even just sitting here, okay, so find yourself in like not slumping against a chair or anything. Um, and then explore what it feels like to get those. So without moving your shoulders and your upper back, see what it feels like to move these hip bones toward your thighs. So you'll feel usually like an arch into your low back. You'll feel, you know, the, the stomach elongate and your shoulders want to dip back, but try to keep them just straight. And then feel what it feels like to take those hip bones and tilt them back the other way without rounding through the upper back. So without slumping into your shoulders, trying to keep that chest high. And then can I just get those hip bones to come up toward my rib cage and my belly might pull in a little bit. My back rounds a little bit and then see what it feels like. Can I go back and forth? Can I find how much posterior pelvic tilt, how much anterior? So, posterior meaning I'm rounding through the back and I'm pulling those hip bones up toward my rib cage. Anterior meaning I'm taking my hip bones forward into my thighs. So, And if you want
1: more of a image of how that's happening, check out the YouTube version if you're just listening because you'll be able to see it more on Jen as she's demonstrating. And Dom. And me, especially because I have a heck of an anterior pelvic tilt tendency.
0: Yep. Why is that?
1: A lot of reasons and a lot of things that I did when I trained growing up, especially with sports and with lifting, um, I would tend to find a lot of stability in my big strong hip muscles um and also my big chest muscles where my low back then would start to make up for some range of motion where i was missing hip extension you know where my legs going back and a little bit of thoracic spine or upper back extension and opening Mm -hmm. you know i would find that with low back extension that would kind of dump my pelvis forward into that anterior pelvic tilt Mm-hmm. And really, I wasn't aware of it for a long time, especially through, even through college lifting. I mean, I did some things in college that make me cringe now as a physical therapist thinking about how I was loading through that spine and low back because of my anterior pelvic tilt.
0: Yeah. And usually when people talk about anterior pelvic tilt, if we look at the way that the body stacks... Now, if I pull my pelvis forward, so again, remember, hip bones going toward my thighs and kind of that low back kind of arching and creating more of that extension in that low back, the pulling into the front of the hip. So now that's where people say, I have chronically tight hip flexors, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm stuck Mm. in this anterior pelvic tilt and then my back works so much harder And it becomes what we call as physical therapists, you don't need to know this, but it's what we call a lower cross syndrome, where the hip flexors are tight, the low back is tight because that's the natural pull of that anterior pelvic tilt. So then we say, okay, well then opposite of that, the abs are elongated and weak and the hamstrings and the glutes, really Mm -hmm. the glutes area is, is, you know, extended and weak.
1: Well, and when you think about all those muscles, and when we kind of like dissect through that, it makes sense <laughs> when you think about it, just base level. Okay, the hip flexors and low back are going to pull us into anterior pelvic tilt. The glutes and the abdominal region and the hamstrings are going to pull us into more posterior pelvic tilt. So, strengthen and shorten those ones, and lengthen the hip flexors and the low back. Great. Problem solved, right?
0: That's what it would appear mm, to be. Quite. <laughs> yeah. So when you ask Dr. Dom and I anything, um, first of all, we'll say it depends. Like Mm -hmm. most good physical therapists, they say it depends.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And on top of just it depends, it's yes and. Okay. So yes, maybe we need to work on some core. Maybe we need to work on some glute strengthening. Maybe we need to open up those hip flexors and get the low back to relax. Yes, and why is that the natural pattern that your body is wanting to go into because Mm -hmm. i could do all day i can hammer out the hip flexors i can really smash into them i can make you do all the glute exercises in the world but if your nervous system queen of your body wants to naturally put you back into this anterior pelvic tilt, the moment that you go back to stand, the moment that you go back to lift, then we did nothing to actually work on the patterns of the body to create true change.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of the things that we do in order to, especially when we're talking about lengthening, you know, for specifically thinking more about the hips and low back are generally more passive Mm -hmm. and generally more in like a passive stretch or tissue work or different things that we'll try doing like you said tools that we might use to smash in but how do we actively understand how to support with that hip flexor when we're in a very extended position it might just not know how to use its strength when it's in that extended position which is why it stays in a more shortened position
0: yeah and it's like you know we're not We've talked about this before, but we're not smashing out tissue. We're not actually creating that length and the elongation through smashing. So we don't necessarily go by that measure. Uh, maybe we need to create stimulation. And that stimulation by touching into more of a psoas region, the hip flexor region, you know, if someone's digging deep into that hip, maybe we need to create that stimulation. And that stimulation can then help to get fluids moving a little bit better, fascia to, for that moment, feel like it can move and slide and glide better Mm -hmm. um, and create some signals to our brain to tell that tension in that muscle to relax. That's all we're doing when we create touch. So we don't necessarily need to smash and we don't need to get onto a really hard tool to create change. I believe Jill Miller has found some studies of where it's been Um, it's ended up bad. (laughs) Let's just say that from someone trying to smash too much into a psoas because your psoas, your hip flexor is so deep into your hip Mm -hmm. that you have other things on top of it. So if we're trying to get deep into that hip, we might be smashing into other areas that are a little bit more crucial and delicate that we should not be smashing into.
1: Yeah. we got all sorts of nerves and vessels and Arteries and stuff that are really important, and different organs, yeah. you know, in that area. So, exactly. that's where anytime we're talking about using tools or doing deep tissue work, the most important thing is how is my nervous system wanting to react right now? Mm-hmm. And how am I controlling that with whatever process? Usually, breath yeah. is what we go to because yeah. breath is one of those things that you always can have voluntary control over mm-hmm. that helps change some automatic processes in our body. Yeah. Some processes that will automatically happen when we're just doing our daily life. We still can have voluntary ability to maybe shift that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So when we're, so yes, you can do some things where you kind of stimulate into the psoas, get that to relax a little bit. Maybe you can do some glute strengthening, some core strengthening. Sure. Okay. But then how do I create that that true change to that neurological system repatterning now mm. when i'm standing when i'm lifting when i'm walking when i'm doing other movements mm. um, and that's where i like to guide people back into ah, the breath, breath. <laughs> because here's the thing so just let's think about this for the person who's listening right and not watching the podcast i'm going to show it for the video but yeah but if you're if you're just listening, try to picture this. Okay. So you are standing and you're, you're an anterior pelvic tilt, right? So your hip bones are dropping forward into your thighs. And that kind of then creates this opposite pattern in my rib cage. So my rib cage is then going to lift and flare out. Okay, so it might not even open and flare, but it's definitely going to be forward and flare, right? So it you're you're going to be able to notice your lower rib cage pop out a little bit more if you're really in that anterior pelvic tilt. Okay, so now I'm here. Now take a deep breath. Where am I usually always going to breathe into if I'm already into this extended position is my chest, okay? So now if I'm breathing up into my chest area, one, I'm staying in my sympathetic. I'm keeping everything really tight. So I'm keeping Mm -hmm. that tension through the muscles, through that psoas and that hip flexor Mm -hmm. and that low back particularly. So I'm going to continue to drive pressure and that sympathetic state by breathing into my chest all the time. Now, if I just start to switch the way that I'm thinking of that rib cage and I start to feel like I want to open up along my rib cage. So now I want you to take that, the end of that rib cage, the front of that rib cage, and I want you to point it down toward the floor. You might even notice, oh my God, I feel like I have to round in my upper spine. Try not to. <laughs> okay, so try to keep.
1: And that's one thing that I have some tendency to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Try to keep your shoulders. like as upright as possible while the rib cage is going down. This might be a little bit hard to figure out at first. So just go to, maybe it'll be a little bit less extended and up. It's okay if it's not completely down toward the ground. Okay. Then I want you to put your hands on your low rib cage and give it a little squeeze. So literally grab the size of your low rib cage. Try to relax your shoulders and then give it a squeeze. Now, breathe in nice and slow and feel your hands expand a little bit and then breathe out. Now, what? and then just try practicing that a little bit. Now, what naturally happens when I drop that rib cage is again, now my body is gonna respond in a different way. So if now I don't have so much extension In that low back and that rib cage flaring up, and I drop that rib cage. Well, my pelvis is going to respond to that. So rather than being in that anteriorly tilted position, it's going to come back into a more neutral position. So already, if I just start to change the way that I'm breathing and I'm thinking about where my breath is coming from, am I am I squeezing my rib cage? Am I am I expanding from that low rib cage? Am I using that diaphragm? Am I creating a better pressure system from my diaphragm to my pelvic floor rather than my pelvic floor being open and tilted forward, right? So, if I create this better pressure system, I already start to stack and align that pelvis. So, rather than how am I smashing out my hip flexors, how am I strengthening my core, how am I, what glute band exercises am I doing, <laughs> rather than all of those, if you just start to come back to this breath pattern, you will start to align and stack,
1: And then with that breath, if you learn to maintain that and keep that and move into some of those other exercises, you will notice a world of difference in how those exercises feel and and just systemically how you're moving. I can, from my own experience, and again, I was an athlete, I wasn't an elite, elite athlete, but I did play college football. So I had these patterns for a while and anybody who works with athletes know that athletes Always know best. (laughs) And so, of course, in college, I had some people say throughout, like, hey, maybe you should try working on this or maybe you should work on this. And it's like, no, no, no. I, I almost lift the most weight on our team. I, you know, I'm one of the strongest guys here. Like, no, thank you. But I know what I'm doing. And it's almost taken me three, four years, five years of now having this awareness and working on it and putting work in to feel a real significant difference. And so, again, these patterns that we create... How long have we been creating them? Mm -hmm. How long have we been positioned like this? Mm -hmm. Um, And just think back in your history, if this is something that you feel like, you you know, you get to dive in more to, how long has this been my pattern? And what is my realistic expectation as to the plan to start shifting that resting state?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's just knowing that it takes time to repattern what our nervous system is used to doing. and it's it's this repatterning of movement it's not necessarily that i need to gain more strength exactly like you said it's not necessarily that i need yeah. to um lengthen muscle tissue because that's not what we're doing it's really about how can i create this new normal within my body in general So how can I get into more of my movements that I like to do? So whatever kind of exercise you like to do, we're not going to say one way, right? Whatever exercise you like to do, how can I focus on where's my rib cage while I'm doing this? And not that I need to bow down and and squeeze my core really tight just to get that rib cage to move. But how can I use my breath and ex- actually expand from my rib cage and then lower from my rib cage and just start to start there? We're talking this is our foundation, right? So mm. we're not saying this is the end all be all of fixing anterior pelvic tilt. But I guarantee that if you start here, it's going to help you to build upon then what you want to strengthen upon and y- then what you want to yeah. build into.
1: You will feel something different yeah. and you'll be able to make yourself feel different positions and oh okay that's what they're talking about and Mm -hmm. that's what it means to have that support there and oh wow i am in this tilt at this time and and it just starts to bring that awareness awareness
0: awareness i wear it on my wrist she
1: wears it around her wrist and i wear empower around my neck (laughs) because we like to be able to empower people with these tools to bring awareness into their body Oh, and look at, at that. that. Oh my gosh. Oh, whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs>
1: explodes. Um, but yeah, and it's a process, and that's just the beginning. Yeah. And then again, it's learning how to start carrying a little bit of that new resting state through life and through movement and through higher level skills. Yeah. Because I promise you, I'm much less strong right now. And I put big air quotes around that because I could lift a lot lower number in my squats and in my bench presses and stuff compared to college. But I promise you, I'm more powerful, I'm more functional, and I feel better right now, hands down, compared to how I felt in college when I was at my peak athleticism. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: And that doesn't mean that you can't get back to peak athleticism. That's our whole point of building from this foundation, right? So if you wanted to start lifting extremely heavy, which you have.
1: Which I do. And and my point being, I don't, I don't know if I want to get back up to those numbers because it right. wasn't a functional way of lifting for me. If I wanted to, yeah, I mean, I could probably put together a program and get there in a much more yes. functional supported way. I know I could, but I don't want to put 600 pounds on my back. again, in life. I just, there's, I don't have that desire right now and maybe that'll change, but.
0: Yeah. And so it's like, what is your intention? Why are you wanting to do it? And how can we start to build upon your foundation and keep that foundation as you start to build upon that programming? So Mm -hmm. it's not bad programming. It's just a poor foundation. So make sure that that foundation is set, Mm. utilize that breath, figure out how you're moving and then start strengthening and mobilizing outside of that. Thank you again for joining us on yet another PT Pearl. We just appreciate you so much. And of course, if you need more visuals for each PT Pearl, they are over at DocGenFit on YouTube. There is a whole section for the PT Pearls from the Optimal Body Podcast that you can use to really see what we're talking about. And don't forget, If you really like this, if you're learning from it, share it out, share it with your community, tell us what you're learning, rate and subscribe to the episode because there's going to be so many more goodies and PT pearls along the way. And if you're ready to dive in even deeper, don't forget we have an Optimal Body membership with an incredible community of movers learning with us and moving in their body. Until next time, thank you again.